Welcome to the Women in Social Listening and Insights podcast, where we showcase the incredible work of women working in the field of social intelligence. My name is Jackie Kivers, and I'll be your host for this journey. In this podcast, we'll be speaking with women from enterprise, agencies, and academia who are leading the charge in the world of social listening and insights. Together, we'll be exploring their careers and the challenges they've faced and overcome and the innovative solutions they've developed. Our goal is to provide valuable insights and advice to our listeners who are passionate about this field and committed to advancing their careers. Whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out, you'll find inspiration and guidance in these conversations. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from the women who are shaping the future of social intelligence. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to have Natalia Liao join us. Natalia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Natalia Leon. I'm currently Social Intelligence Solution Lead at Nestle. I've been working with Social Intelligence for quite some years and uh, very happy to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. So, Natalia, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the field of social listening, insights, and social intelligence? What did your path look like? So my background is in communications. I started as a copywriter in advertising agencies, but then I quickly moved to planning, digital marketing. I wanted something more with the strategy of things. And then social intelligence, um, or social monitoring uh, at the time was part of uh, this whole process, right? Uh, this is cool. And at the time it was uh, way more focused on company performance, but uh, as the practice started to evolve, then I started to fall in love, let's say, for social intelligence and insights area and uh, this more research type of practice. And I understand your path has been pretty international. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about where your career has taken you? Yes. Uh, so I'm originally from Brazil. Uh, I've been around. <laughs> I lived in Russia for a while, work in uh, e-commerce. Uh, uh, for babies at the time, uh, with, uh, digital marketing. Then I moved to India for a couple of years, then China for a little bit. And then I came back to Brazil, continued to work with agencies. And then I moved to Europe, uh, in Portugal to do my master in technology and innovation entrepreneurship. And then that's when I did dive, uh, even, uh, more in the area of social intelligence, working with Thomasphere. Uh, and that led me to Nestle. Thank you so much. So you're, you're at Nestle now. Can you tell us a little bit more about your current role and, and how you're using social listening insights and social intelligence? So my role is focused very much in supporting the evolution and the expansion of uh, social intelligence practice at Nestle. This involves setting up best practice, implementing process, uh, help to develop new methodologies, um, build the team capabilities, right? We have different centers across the globe with more than almost 200 analysts working on social listening. So be up to date with the, the latest technologies, right? How do we start to implement this uh, for more efficiency and benefits in the area? And of course, part of this is uh, part of the expansion bit is to raise awareness to what social intelligence can do among internal partners. So you, so you shared that you're you're sharing across the organization. 
best practices and sharing the capabilities of what can be done with social listening and insights. How, how, do, how are you able to help them understand how this is differentiated or in fact supports other areas of marketing or data analysis? I think there is a lot of education to be done on how far it can go. It is still, well, surprisingly, right at this point, uh, a lot of times associated with uh, brand monitoring and uh, a lot of quantitative uh, type of analysis. So it sits much more close to data analytics. And uh, you still, there is still a lot of education to be done of how far it can go for maybe other areas, not only brand health, right, reports, but also for uh, research, research and development or for to find new trends or to understand the consumer journey. So this is um, the part that we need to raise awareness the most. For me, what sets apart is that it's a good mix of getting this quantitative data uh, that it's already uh, very often in place, but also to have this on a large scale and also being able to get more granularity and deep dive and these real stories, right? And on top of that, it's way more easily easy to scale, right? And we can navigate through time with historical data so we can go and check what people have perceived about something, a certain topic for COVID and compare with nowadays. So it has a lot of advantage and that's what I try to educate. Sometimes the challenge is that there is a lot of uh, misconceptions uh, or uh, because of the barriers of social channels. So uh, that raised more concerns with the partners as well. So it sounds like you're using a, a real mix of quantitative and qualitative and, and showing different use cases across the organization. So how do you measure success of one of these projects? What, what types of metrics would you use? For social intelligence, in my opinion, it's a bit tricky. We, of course, have an NPS score for any type of service at uh, Nestle. But uh, it will depend a little bit on the use case, uh, I believe. Uh, like if you're monitoring crisis, timeliness might be an important success criteria, for example, right? You want the to be able to report very fast, right? Uh, the best way to measure success is usually on a case-by-case, case, uh, in my opinion. So if those insights help it to develop maybe a new contact, uh, content or that content is driving more traffic, for example, or if the outputs of a research help it to develop a new product and so on. So these are very specific by case, but more efficiently measured success, right? I find a bit challenging to have uh, success metrics that work across all social intelligence projects, uh, as there are sometimes in other types of uh, areas. That makes sense. So you work across, it sounds like a wide variety of, of teams and markets. How do you approach collaboration and teamwork in these insights projects? And what types of skills or skill sets do you think are access essential for success in this area? I will steal your, your answer from another podcast that I listened with you, Jackie, that uh, you said that socialist, social intelligence professionals, they needed to have intellectual curiosity and good emotional intelligence. And for me, that's the perfect answer because uh, that's it, right? You need to be curious about the human nature, the human behavior. I think that's so essential. Otherwise, you're not going to continue to ask questions to yourself and to the data. And I would also add that you also need to have a good sense of critical thinking, I'll say, to help you to build the structures necessary to your analysis and to also quick spot uh, when the data looks off or when something that you maybe need to deep dive further, right? So uh, for me, that's, those are the essential skills, like to have uh, intellectual curiosity, uh, critical thinking, and uh, have uh, some 
type of uh, emotional intelligence, empathy. So you can continue to uh, dig into the data. The rest, more or less, you can you can learn, right? I love how you're adding number three <laughs> to, to my point one and two. I feel like we need to like publish a list out there or something and have other people add to it. Um, that will be interesting. Yeah. Okay. You should do it on LinkedIn or something. Um, can you tell me about a time uh, when you perhaps had to challenge conventional wisdom in your work and, and what you might have learned from that experience? Part of my role is uh, to raise this awareness about social intelligence practice in the organization. and. Uh, while I'm doing this, of course, I get challenged. <laughs> As you can imagine, uh, there are many questions, like I was saying, in terms of the barriers of social, some, some types of social channels, right? There are many questions on data coverage, given the uh, API restrictions to some of these channels. Uh, so these raise uh, concerns among partners or what business questions social intelligence can or cannot answer, like we were discussing. So these are type of questions that come often when we are having meetings with partners. And for me, this is the best moment to understand the fears and concerns of these uh, my stakeholders, right? So I can better build uh, solutions uh, to fill these gaps or even build better communication materials, right? To reassure them and show them our solutions with more clarity. Uh, so helps me with content, uh, with information, so I can better build the uh, material to that education uh, element that we were talking about and uh, be able to convince them and uh, reassure them uh, better. Do you find that those questions or concerns or um, are changing over time? Or are you still getting kind of some of the same questions or, or kind of concerns that came up five years ago, and it's it's based on the individual's maturity or awareness of social listening and insights. Or do you do you find the questions change over time because people are increasingly aware of the potential? I think more people are aware. You find people that ask better questions or have at least uh, initial awareness that oh, there is these limitations, right? Can you explain me a little bit more? So uh, and. But maybe not to the level that we would expect after you write. I received the same questions that uh, I received years ago and which is a uh, sometimes a bit tiring, but uh, uh, updated, right? Of course, because the landscape has updated itself over the past years, but uh, the concerns are more or less uh, very similar indeed. So there is a lot of that we need to raise of uh, the limitations of, for example, limitations of social listing that it doesn't cover the whole universe because you have a specific channels that we have more access versus others or what are the type of people that are online, right, versus the whole universe of the population, the whole population. So we need to uh, continue to raise that. This doesn't work in silos and uh, better raise awareness as social intelligence as part of a research journey, right? Not as a silo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but you write the questions, unfortunately, it's still quite similar. So you mentioned critical thinking and pattern recognition, you know, being some, some important kind of skill sets or qualities. Um, have you ever found that you needed to pivot or change direction in a project due to unexpected findings in your data? So I don't have a specific example for that. But what I like to do and what I suggest the teams to do is to maybe go and try to find solutions in other types of data sources. One that we use a lot uh, in combination with social data is search data. Uh, so maybe if we are not getting a lot of data for the topic that we want, or maybe we get a lot of data, but 
uh, we are not finding the answers that uh, for our business questions. Uh, we usually go to search uh, behavior to try to understand maybe people are not talking about that on social media, but they are searching about it, right? Or we explore a little bit further TikTok um, manually, unfortunately, right? A lot of times to deep dive and see if there's anything else that uh, we might have missed or do a bit of desk research. So my my solution is usually to try to get out of the socialist into and explore a little bit further as a change to find uh, new patterns potentially. So when you're communicating the results um, to these different groups that, that you're engaging with across the organization, how do you approach collaboration and communication with these stakeholders and partners? Um, I mean, as you said, different people have different levels of awareness of what's possible or what 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 could be delivered? I mean, what what skill sets or kind of factors do you think are important for that collaboration and communication with these stakeholders? Yeah, I think that's essential as well because not only the analysis that you do, right? But how do you convey that? For me, it, re- it still requires a lot of empathy. The same for the, uh, doing the project. You also to communicate the project requires a lot of empathy and clarity in your communication. So. We are already inside the organization. I mean, we do, uh, uh, the team that I work with, they do work for within the organization. So we have knowledge of the overall business, uh, but the brands, the markets, the categories, of course, they are running those specific parts of the business. So they do have more in-depth context, right? And knowledge. So if we are doing a project for coffee, for example, you need to be able to understand what is important for the guys owning the coffee business, which might be a bit different from uh, what other categories and brands are uh, paying attention to, right? So basically, you need to be able to ask the right questions that will help you to do your analysis and to, and then of course, translate the data in a clear way that matter the most uh, to according to those specific uh, needs for that partner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when you're you're working across the organization and you're working with these different stakeholders and different teams. Um, can you perhaps speak to the importance of kind of cross-functional collaboration in some of these projects? Because you said you, you need to not only understand it from their business perspective, but sometimes you need to step out of the social listening kind of workflow. So h- how do you bring in kind of that wider view into your work when working with these different teams, departments, or disciplines? Yeah, working with uh, different teams. Uh, well, I, for me, there are two important perspectives here. One is the uh, this collaboration in terms of uh, uh, knowledge and data. So we collaborate with the different departments to be able to incorporate more different types of data. So for example, incorporate consumer engagement conversation, or we can maybe get metrics from website analytics teams to maybe see what recipes are popular on social uh, versus searches and how this compares to uh, how this compares to the recipes that we see on on social right or in the website, and then draft some conclusions out of that or build dashboards uh, and that compile different types of data together and then we partner with the Power BI team. So the possibilities are are endless and that's exactly the challenge here because uh, we need to have a process in place so we can identify what type of data we need and. Uh, what teams we need to connect with and ensure that uh, that we have the right frameworks in place. And then the second point is that how do we collaborate to democratize this data properly, right? How these um, 
these dashboards, reports, how do we provide to something that we provide to the, R the research and development team, maybe can also uh, help or we could build on top of that to help brand teams or the content team. So that's also another layer of collaboration more with the final stakeholders, right? Because a lot of the data might get lost, let's say, or might be commissioned twice, thrice, uh, uh, and particularly a difficult task. And when you're talking as such a big organization like Nestle, it will be ideal that everyone could get benefit from that analysis being done uh, if it was better democratized. That makes sense. So you were speaking about um, the way that that data is presented or the insights are presented in dashboards and reports. So I think that brings up an important part of the way that we communicate these findings. So data visualization and presentations are how you share and democratize kind of those those learnings and insights and recommendations. Um, what is your preference in and, you know, how do you think it's best to visualize or or share share kind of the the data and insights that you're finding well my dream in the idea world i think it will be a kind of a hybrid model of having an on, ongoing dashboard uh where people could self-serve and navigate a little bit and then on top of that we have our team that can help to deep dive in or build on on top of those uh that structure right uh that would be the ideal model for democratization. But in terms of visualization, more specifically, I think it's also a uh, very important skill. Sometimes a biggest problem in social intelligence is that we have a lot of interesting sites buried or kind of hidden, right? Uh, within tax heavy slides or lengthy reports. Uh, so it's not just about uh, creating visually appealing graphs and charts, but it's also like we were discussing, like understanding the business deeply. So and the objectives deeply. So we can highlight and identify the best way to create the results and uh, in a more visual manner, right? What do we want to highlight out of these slides? Because that's the part that matters the most for that partner. Yeah. So, so you're communicating this information. You're putting yourself in in their shoes. Um, how important do you see kind of these insights and social intelligence and helping shape business strategy or drive growth? I mean, what 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 type of impact do you hope your work will have? What I love about social intelligence is that uh, it's a incredible vers versatile practice. I think that's the word. Uh, it does have uh, different levels of complexity, of course, but it can often be agile and it answers to demands in uh, so many different areas, right? Uh, so it can impact from the way we communicate with our consumers to new products, uh, about new products. It can also impact how do we build new products, right? How we develop uh, new products or how we optimize our marketing efforts. So there is a, a lot of different areas that uh, uh, it can uh, touch. So given the flexibility and the different, the applications that it has for me, it should be kind of a no-brainer. Uh, a standard practice in the field of insights, and that's what I advocate for, right? And I'm, I'm very passionate about uh, innovation and uh, particularly the work that we do with research development. Uh, and I see the impact that it does in different areas at Nestle. So uh, I love to advocate of how far can it goes and how it should be a standard practice as part of uh, market research and insights, not only 
brand management. You mentioned the global nature of, of the organization and the role and that you're working on kind of communicating best practices across the organization, but not every market or country is the same. How do you ensure that your insights and recommendations and even best practices are relevant and applicable across these different markets or languages? Yes, that's a good point. We have centers. Uh, I think we have, I should know this number by heart, but <laughs> uh, I think we have seven centers or eight. And uh, we have a team that, so we have these teams that cover a variety of languages, right? But uh, what we also need to do is always to collaborate with our internal partners to ensure that the output is bringing value and that we, you know, beyond the brief, the teams uh, set up those touch points or these regular calls so they can discuss the outputs with the markets or uh, the brands. Uh, they show a little bit of the work in progress and make any necessary adjustments to better fit the market needs and the market knowledge. Because again, uh, these are social intelligence people. And they have some sort, they have the language capabilities. They have some sort of cultural knowledge. But more than that, they need to have cultural knowledge specific into that uh, business right so that's why close uh working very close with the business is important for us so for you personally how do you stay current with the latest developments in social listening and new technologies what what resources do you rely on i follow most of i follow a lot of social intelligence vendors the tech vendors uh, that helps me to see different uh, use cases, uh, sorry, different case studies, right? That's interesting to benchmark from. Uh, I follow a lot of social insights agencies that, uh, like your company as well. So, uh, that gives, uh, again, good inspiration. And of course, uh, the social intelligence lab, uh, by Dr. Gillian. And beyond that is more, uh, I've been trying to get more connected and with professionals in the area to see what they're up to, uh, exchange experiences, uh, ideas from time to time that uh, has been super, super helpful in uh, my new, not so new role, admittedly. How do you see the field of social listening, insights and intelligence evolving over the next five to 10 years? Oh, well, that's, that's <laughs> a big question. <laughs> uh, well, if I if I had to summarize, uh, uh, that that's uh, what I would like to see is that social intelligence is uh, we, we start to get new questions, let's say, <laughs> uh, but also being more widely considered a standard part of market research toolkit. Uh, if that makes sense, uh, uh, we've gone a long way, of course, uh, but there is still a lot of education, uh, and also adjustments in the industry that we need to continue to do. And uh, I hope that uh, by then we have more, uh, seamless use of AI to support, uh, you know, this, uh, a lot of the heavy lifting as well. Uh, to ensure data quality and so the professionals spend more, spend more time actually understanding and diving to the parts that matter or connecting the dots with the other types of research. Um, this might be a crucial part of what will help us to move forward and uh, continue to be um, build a more robust practice. You, you touched on education a bit and, you know, it's not like in the past, uh, there's been a, a direct career path into this field. People have come from different, um, backgrounds in market research, digital marketing, psychology, consumer behavior, um, all kinds of things. So can you share your advice for individuals interested in pursuing a career in social intelligence? Like, 
what what qualities or skills or or even now maybe maybe there are some new programs that that they should be aware of how would you kind of steer someone thinking about a career in this um to get started or be successful no that's a good question and we have a lot of uh, uh young people in the organization uh, starting to pursue this career of social intelligence so that's uh, very fulfilling to see that, uh, you know, new people are choosing that as a career. In terms of skills is what we discussed, like you have to have curiosity, uh, critical thinking, right? So try to nurture this, um, this curiosity, this uh, interest in human nature that will help to have the right skill set as well. Uh, the technologies, the methodologies, I think it's nice to have a good base, uh, baseline in, ter in terms of uh, marked research uh, and the basics of statistic, um, but it, I, mean, I didn't have that much right when I started, but <laughs> I wish I had. And uh, there are new courses like the, the Social Intelligence Lab course that uh, it has a nice uh, curriculum that covers, I think, everything that you, you should know. So there are things popping up, but uh, my advice mainly is that continue, try to look into different types of reports. Of course, a lot of it you get from experience trying to analyze, but I like to see a lot of different types of web uh, reports, watching webinars with uh, case studies that also helps me to think a little bit out of uh, outside the box and uh, compare next time that I join project, compare what I'm getting versus uh, the final product, you know, the final output and uh, start to think how do I get to something very similar from my end as well. I think those are all really, really good points. Um, and certainly there's lots of webinars and e even content that, that, that's pre-recorded and from past ones that people can access. Um, so there's certainly a lot of resources out there. Um, so knowing what you knew, you know now, um, and, and, you know, having your kind of winding career path, um, how would you advise future women in insights and, in, in kind of, pursuing this career? Well, I didn't have exactly a straightforward uh, education path directly for this area. So, uh, but uh, we talked about courses. Uh, I, I think women have uh, naturally uh, a, a good set of skills to start on that. Uh, I see, uh, I'm very lucky that I see and have worked at and continue to work with a very amazing women in this area. So, Hopefully, you have uh, uh, continue to dominate <laughs> the this space. But be, beyond uh, uh, that, my advice would be to find these people that inspire you. Right. So watch what they are doing. Learn from them. This can be um, someone that you follow on LinkedIn. Can be your boss. Can be a colleague. Right. Like I said, was very lucky in my career to be surrounded by very inspiring women that helped me to start seeing. Uh, that I, the path in front of me and uh, what I wanted to start doing and uh, uncovering my own value in this space as well. So yeah, find someone that inspire you and uh, ask for advice to speak, um, these people or follow what they're doing and then uh, see how you can transform yourself. That's great advice, Natalia. Thank you so much. Um, well, it's been a pleasure hearing about, um, you know, your current role and your path to getting here. I really appreciate you sharing your journey and, and insights with us. Um, I think you've given everybody some great advice of, of kind of 
skill sets and qualities to uh, nurture, uh, resources to go to, and some good advice on on how to move ahead in this area. I really appreciate you taking the time to to share your thoughts and experiences with us. Um, so thank you so much, Natalia. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Women in Social Listening and Insights podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and taken away some valuable insights and advice from today's guest. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn for updates and additional resources. I'd like to take a minute to once again thank our interviewee for taking the time to join us on the show today and sharing her story and insights with us. Your contribution to the world of social intelligence is truly invaluable, and we're so grateful for you sharing your time and expertise. And finally, if you listeners know of anyone else who would make a great guest on our show, please don't hesitate to introduce us. We're always on the lookout for new and inspiring stories. Until next time, I'm Jackie Kivers, and this is the Women in Social Listening and Insights podcast. Thanks so much for listening.